my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys had a fantastic weekend. Uh, great show today. I was joined by my good friend Aaron Bandler uh, from Jewish Journal. It's always a great time talking to Aaron. Uh, yeah, we broke down a lot. We had a lot to talk about today. We, we started with the uh, historic peace deal between uh, Israel and the United Arab Emirates that was announced last week. Um, we talked about... Uh, yeah, we talked about the left's response um, to people on the right passing away. Um, this time, uh, specifically talking about uh, the younger brother of the president, uh, Robert Trump. Uh, it, we, we covered a lot of ground. Uh, I, I'm sure you guys will enjoy it. It's always a great time talking to my buddy Aaron. Uh, yeah, before we get to Aaron, guys, please follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or Spotify. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate that. And if you want to get involved with the show, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right. Without further ado, here's my chat with the great Aaron Bandler. <laughs> All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Aaron Bandler. Aaron, my friend, how you doing? I am doing great. How are you, Brady? I'm good, man. I'm doing good. So um, a ton to get to, as always, especially Mondays are jam-packed. Um, and, uh, man, it's been a lot of bad news, basically just consistent bad news for the last couple months <laughs> here on the podcast, uh, whether it's politically or virus-related or anything else. But let's start off with some great news, man. <laughs> first things first. Uh, I haven't been able to cover this. Uh, because it happened late last week, but some great news coming out of the Middle East late last week. The Trump administration has brokered a peace deal between Israel and the United Arab Emirates. The two nations are normalizing relations, expanding trade, and opening up embassies. Man, it's great. Israel will soon have an embassy in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, go back 10 years and, and tell yourself that. I mean, you wouldn't believe it. So just amazing stuff here. Congrats to Israel, the UAE, President Trump, and everyone involved. Oh, 100 percent. It's such a historic agreement on, on, on so many levels. Um, the fact, yeah, I mean, as we talked about earlier, the UAE is, is one of is one of the richest Gulf Arab nations. And this well, the ramifications of this are huge because this is probably the first domino to fall in terms of Gulf Arab nations normalizing ties with Israel. People are already talking about how Bahrain and Oman are going to be next. Um, and hopefully that means Saudi Arabia will, will, will eventually follow suit. And what this shows is how the region has been realigning for a while now in, in terms of uh, in terms of in terms of viewing Iran as the, as the biggest threat to the Middle East. For years, the foreign policy establishment, the smart set, for years and years, it is a, they have, according to them, it has always been the Israeli-Palestinian conflict that has driven the region. And now recent years have shown that that, that, that was never true. And now it's being shown that, that, that Iran is, 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 the biggest, is the biggest threat to the region. And I think we're going to see more, more of these, going, these normalization ties going forward in order to, to combat Iran. 
And that's obviously something that's very good for, for the world because Iran is the biggest threat to instability in the Middle East. And it also shows to show how peace is possible in, 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 in the Middle East. And it goes just, just, just to the having Israel being strong and taking decisive ac- action to defend itself rather than constantly placing the, placing the Palestinians is the key to peace going forward. You're absolutely right. And, and for, for the people that maybe don't understand the just the power dynamics in the Middle East, you know, this is a huge deal. I mean, uh, I mean, the, the last this is the only the third Arab nation to sign a peace treaty with Israel, uh, Egypt right. in 79, Jordan in, in 94. Uh, Jordan, I mean, they're a small country and their neighbors with Israel is just kind of like a border security issue. I um, mean, they're not really power players in the region. The UAE is. Uh, they're one of the wealthiest nations on the planet. Um, militarily, they're very strong. Um, so this is this is a big deal. And like you said, uh, Oman and Bahrain, reports are, are saying that they're in talks with Israel right now. And those deals could happen in the coming weeks or months even, you know, before the end of the year. And, and, and you, you hit the nail on the head. Saudi Arabia, I don't see how they don't follow suit at this point. I, I think the two countries have been moving towards an agreement for a long time behind the scenes, maybe waiting for the, the citizens of Saudi Arabia to, to warm up to the idea, I think. Um, but once that domino falls in Saudi Arabia, I mean, it's all over for, for Iran. <laughs> it's all over. I mean, that would shift the balance of power in the Middle East firmly towards Israel uh, if they do ally with, with Saudi Arabia. So I think um, I think Iran is toast, man. I think they really misplayed their hand here. Obviously, the disastrous foreign policy of the Obama administration prioritizing Iran, trying to normalize Iran. Uh, I mean, thank goodness that didn't work out. Um, I mean, obviously, this these peace deals. I'm just a big fan of peace, man. <laughs> you know that. Uh, yeah. Um, and, and since peace is, of course, an objective good, um, the only people mad at this deal are are either evil or stupid, which means the press, Iran, and Ben Rhodes. Which Ben Rhodes having ben a meltdown Chris. on Twitter over this has just been. You just love to see oh, it. You, you love to see it, Aaron. You love to see it. Oh my goodness, it, it, Ben Rhodes is such a smug. Um, it's, 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 it's such an arrogant jackass. It's just, it's just the smuggest dude. And this, 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 this guy is a failed fiction writer who somehow gets, who somehow gets appointed to deputy national security advisor in the Obama administration. And, you know, being the, being the failed fiction writer, he goes and spins this fiction that Iran is, is moderate. <laughs> and then he later admits to the press, oh, by the way, we lied, LOL. You all are stupid, and, and and then the media just just kind of laughed at it, you know, like haha, yeah, we're we're dumb, you know, we 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 sell the American people a bill of goods, but the, let's see, Iran deal, and the Iran deal was evil, you, the fa- because the fact is is that it gave essentially gave hundred fifty billion dollars to to a terror to a terror state, and of course it all goes to fund to to. Iran used all that money to funnel their terror proxies in Hezbollah and Hamas, um, sowing discord in Syria, and so forth. So to see Ben Rhodes just melt down on Twitter and rants about like rants about how this agreement isn't a big deal and whatever else he said, it, it was just it was just so glorious to watch. And it, it, I think what was what's really funny about it is that he tried to take he tried to take credit for the agreement, which Amazing. In a way, he kind of he kind of does because <laughs> the Iran deal that he lied about was was in large part what prompted this because because the Iran deal emboldened Iran but by giving them a windfall of cash 
And so in, in that sense, yeah, it's, it's, it's just embrace it, Ben. Your precious Iran deal caused this realignment to happen. Um, and of course, of course, people don't realize is that prior to the Iran deal, that, that regime was failing. And because economic sanctions were working oh, yeah. on Iran, and they and they were willing to come to come to the negotiating table, which is which made it all the more maddening that the Obama administration then bailed them out with the Iran deal, and now that Trump exited the, the deal and reinstituted sanctions, that regime is now once again on the edge. And there are, there are still protests going on in Iran. It's not talked about much, but the Iranian people are protesting against the regime. I, I think the regime is, God willing, on, on its last legs. So, which makes it, which, talk about it's a separate matter. Now, now the arms embargo, the UN arms embargo is set to expire in October, which of course would be disastrous to the region on so many levels. Because obviously there should be an embargo on Iran arming up, um, and so now what the U.S. is doing is they're arguing that there needs to be what's called snapback sanctions on Iran, um, meaning that they are meaning that Iran is has violated um, the the Iran deal, even though the U.S. is no longer in the deal because the international signatory. They're arguing that they can invoke snapback sanctions because Iran is obviously violating the deal, um, and so and of course the UN is trying to stonewall that. So that's that's something that needs to be um, monitored going forward. Which again just goes to show why these normalization of ties with the UAE and hopefully Oman, Bahrain, Saudi Arabia soon. Is all the more important because we need all the we need all help we can get to stop Iran, and so again that that is why this normalization with, with the UAE is so huge. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and uh, obviously seeing, uh, you know, the Obama administration, most notably Joe Biden, try to take credit for. <laughs> at least take partial credit for this deal is just rich. I mean, like you said, technically. That's true, I guess, <laughs> but in, right. the op- in the opposite sense of what they mean, obviously. And it's just, exactly. you know, it's just so encouraging to see the, the winds shifting in the Middle East. I mean, we don't get progress in the Middle East very often, okay? We just don't. 100%. I mean, you saw immediately you see the, the president of Egypt come out and praise this deal and say this is great for Israel, great for uh, the UAE, great for the region. It's like Egypt. I mean, <laughs> for anybody who knows their Bible— <laughs> The Egyptians have been killing Jews for 4,000 years. You know what I mean? So to see a country like Egypt, you know, praise this deal is is pretty incredible. I mean, just historically, it's just, it's not something you would expect, you know. And you see even uh, the, the president of Lebanon uh, said on, doing an interview with uh, French television yesterday, said that Lebanon would be open to negotiating a peace, peace deal with Israel. So it's like... Boy, oh boy. I mean, things are changing, and they're changing pretty quick. I mean, it's 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 just, it's we don't not a lot of good news coming out of that part of the world and anytime we get something like this it's just it's it's encouraging to see man it is very encouraging i am skeptical about any israel lebanon peace agreements going forward because hezbollah right hezbollah is so prominent in the country that they basically run the country i don't um, I, but the thing is with the 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 president coming out and saying that that is 
Hezbollah's not going to be happy. <laughs> you know what I mean? That oh, that seemed like not. a shot yeah. across the bow at, at Hezbollah more than anything else. Yeah, and and and, and hopefully, as peace negotiations start between the two countries, then hopefully Lebanon will start taking act taking action to to expunge Hezbollah, which should be that that would be huge because Absolutely. Hezbollah has been a security threat to Israel for years and to the U.S. too. Right. Hezbollah is is international terror group, and they. Um, I mean, not, not only have they caused terror in Israel, they um, are responsible for a lot of drug trafficking uh, in Latin America, and and there are various Hezbollah cells in the U.S. as we speak, um, which is very disconcerting to think about. And um, so it would, if Hezbollah were to eventually be eradicated in Lebanon, that would be, uh, the ramifications would, would be massive in terms of eliminating terror uh from the world so that's, that's something we should all be hope that's something that, that that hopefully will happen uh going forward um i, I think what what all this shows is that i think people are realizing that israel is the power player of the region and i think what these arab nations are realizing is that their their best chance of survival stems from partnering with israel because israel is such a powerhouse economically and militarily um, at, at at some point, you know, even though there are a lot of uh, theological fanatics um, who, who who likes to run theocracies in, in their nations, I think what, what we're seeing now is that they're starting to realize that in, that that their their own self preservation matters more um, than this sort of um, Islamic extremism does, and that and that's why we're seeing these agreements happen and while hopefully we'll see peace went out in the end. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, one more point on, on this deal. Uh, I mean, it doesn't even have to be said, but I got to say it anyway. Uh, I have no choice. Uh, look, president Obama won the Nobel peace prize <laughs> simply for being elected president of the United States. Yeah. <laughs> they, they give him a preemptive, uh, a preemptive strike, if you will, on the Nobel Peace Prize before he had ever done anything in office. And then he proceeded to drop more bombs uh, than any president since the end of the Vietnam War and start three new wars um, in Yemen, Syria, and Libya. So, uh, obviously, uh, President Trump should win the Nobel Peace Prize for brokering this deal, but uh, I'd say, if I had to put a percentage chance on it, I'd say there's a 0% chance of that happening. What do you think? (laughs) I would say I would I would say fuller than that. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, the fact that Obama can, can get a Nobel Peace Prize just within like a month to of first being elected, it's just 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 to show what a joke Nobel Peace Prize has become. Right. And yeah, I mean, there's there's no way that they're, they're going to give Trump um, a Nobel Peace Prize, even though he deserves it for brokering this historic agreement. It's 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 just. The fact that it's become so politicized now, it's it's not going to happen. Absolutely. But history will, will remember this deal, even if the press is trying to cover it up, which they have. The press covered it for about, I don't know, five seconds, seven seconds, something like that, and then it was just on, on to the next thing. Um, another thing that happened over this weekend, uh, some sad news. The, the president of the United States' brother, younger brother, Robert Trump, uh, passed away at the age of 71. <laughs> Man, the left has been bringing the evil hard lately, <laughs> especially when somebody on the right dies. I mean, we saw their degeneracy a couple weeks ago when Herman Cain passed away. Yeah. 
and and now they're right right back at it. Man, the the left were celebrating this. They were celebrating the death of of Robert Trump, and they even got hashtag wrong Trump trending number one on Twitter for for about forty eight hours. Um, look, I mean, I'm sure you could probably find some example of a Twitter account with 15 followers or something. But by and large, the right does not do this, Aaron. I mean, this level of hate is flowing in one direction. Like, I, anytime somebody dies on the left, I pray for them. I pray for the families. You know what I mean? Like, it's, I don't, I, that's what we do as conservatives and libertarians, people on the right. Like, I, and I know somebody will tweet at me some example of some jackass on Twitter, you know, celebrating somebody on the left dying or whatever. But by and large, this is going in one direction here. I, I've, I've never seen this level of hatred on the right. It seems to only be a problem on the left. Yeah, I, I mean, when Bo Biden died a few years ago, right? There was there was nobody on the right was starting like a wrong Biden hashtag no. or, or, or or whatever. It, it was universal, just like you know, mourning and grieving and offering condolences. Of course. Um and. When that's that's always how it's been when when someone on on the left dies and but with someone on the right it's it's either they're celebrating whether it's you know it's this this wrong Trump hashtag that was trending on Twitter over the weekend or they try and politicize it like with Herman Cain but when when he died a lot of people on the left were like oh he attended Trump's Tulsa rally Trump he must have gotten the virus from the rally Trump killed him. Uh, and which is which is just like come on, like that's this guy just died. We he could have gotten the virus from really anywhere because because he was traveling a lot um, that week, including Arizona was one of his stops, and Arizona had been hit harder the virus at that time. So it it, it, it just goes to show how the, the left politics is everything for them. It's the be all end all. They see everything in terms of politics. And it's like a religion for them, whereas those of us on the right, politics is something that you know we follow pretty closely and we're passionate about. But it's it's not. But at the end of the day, it's like we have lives, you know, family, family, work, community. You know, those are all things that matter most to us because at the end of the day, we're human beings, and there's more life than politics. But the left doesn't doesn't see it that way. Everything to them is politics and, and that's why you see this sort of celebration and or politicization of deaths on the right that always occur or even, or even politicizing deaths when it comes to mass shootings um or or or, or, or things that affect they will always politicize everything because politics is their religion yeah and, I mean, it's, and, it's more and, so it's more yeah. so a problem driven by atheism, in my opinion, you know what I mean? It really truly is, because everybody worships something. I mean, if you if you don't worship God, you will worship something. Like, there is that, you know, a, a God-shaped hole in everyone, if you will. Um, not to sound Christianese, but it's true. I mean, if you that, that hole will be filled by something, and if you don't worship God, you will worship a political party, or an ideology, or just politics generally, you know? And, uh, yeah, it's sad. I, to his credit... Uh, to his credit, Joe Biden did issue a good statement um, saying that he's praying for the president and his family, and that should be noted. Biden did issue a good statement saying, you know, he, yeah. he understands what it's like to lose loved ones. Obviously, that's true. Uh, Joe Biden's lost a wife, a daughter, and a son. Um, you know, he's, he's been through a lot. So credit to Joe Biden. He didn't make it political. He didn't, 
you know, bring up coronavirus or anything like that, he did issue a nice statement. I wish more Democrats followed suit, but yeah, I agree. won't hold my breath. <laughs> not, yeah. Won't hold my breath on that. Uh, look, man, so one, one last thing before we wrap it up, Aaron. Are we really going to have to deal with another leftist conspiracy theory? Like, come on, man. We just we just put Ru- the Russia collusion hoax to bed uh, earlier this year and, and late last year. And now, you know, the left is saying that Trump wants to get rid of the, the Postal Service, which, for the record, sounds like a fantastic idea. I'm all about eliminating <laughs> the Postal Service. But they're really running with this, man. They're, they're running like Jesse Owens with this. Uh, it, look. I mentioned this before we started recording. My least favorite thing, and I hate everything the press does, but my least favorite thing that the press does is when they pretend to be stupid to try to, like, yeah. help sell a narrative. So, like, Trump has criticized mail-in voting for good reason. I mean, it's easy to defraud that system. It's easy to, you know, harvest ballots and stuff like that, all, all stuff that the Democrats love doing. Uh, and, and now you have Jake Tapper yesterday telling his audience that Trump is trying to get rid of absentee voting, which is, of course, an entirely different thing than mail-in voting, and Jake Tapper knows that. But he's pretending to have an IQ of 17, so he can sell this ridiculous narrative to, you know, the the idiots watching CNN. You know what I mean? I, I hate the whole, like, oh, look how stupid I am. I can't tell the difference between A and B. You know, it's like, oh, my goodness, you people. It's so transparent. It, it's and, so brutally transparent. Right. And what's... For years, even people on the right were sort of praising Tapper as like, you know, like they like one of the few good journalists out there. I've I've there's he used to actually be when he when he was with ABC. I thought Tapper was actually you know pretty decent, all things considered. But you know, once he went to CNN, that all changed. And each year, he becomes more and more hackish, insufferable, and insufferable. His, his Twitter account, like over the like, I think I, it was today actually. He, he so I say last night, he quote tweeted something, he quote, he, he was, he acted all appalled that Trump had retweeted, a, had retweeted a tweet that told people to leave Democrat cities and let them rot. He was like, I cannot believe a president actually retweeted this. No, 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 it was and more dramatic. Was it was like, more dramatic. I, oh, I don't have the tweet in front of me. Was. It was more, but it was like, he started, yeah. he was like, I had to read this multiple times. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe my eyes. Oh, Pull up the fainting couch, Jake. Um, it's just, oh my God, he is. It's, it's, it's. He's, he's become insufferable now. Like he doesn't hide his bias anymore. By the so way, by the way, by the way, perfectly reasonable. For if you live in New York City, get out, leave, Seriously. let them rot. I mean, these leftists have ruined these Americans. If if you live, in, there's no justification to living in Chicago, Illinois, right now. Get out, get out now, leave Seriously. Portland. Leave why you know leave LA like yes, if you see people leaving major cities and droves, Joe Rogan has taken his operation to Dallas or something somewhere in Texas. You know you see lots of people leaving these major cities. It's perfectly reasonable if people bankrupt your city and are raising your taxes and are letting violent communist mobs beat you to death. Get out, my Seriously. goodness. That's and oh my goodness. Yeah, sorry. Back back to Jake Tapper. I apologize. Right, and and and, and as far as the mail-in voting is concerned. Yeah, mail-in voting, absentee voting are, are two different things because mail-in voting is the idea that everybody universally gets a ballot no matter what. Absentee voting is you request a ballot. Like, that's kind right. of a, that's a key difference. And Trump is, has never talked about getting rid of absentee ballot ballots altogether. The, 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 this argument has been that the, has been there shouldn't be universal mail voting because fraud is, is a concern. And it is a concern because a, a 2005 bipartisan commission 
headed by Jimmy Carter, said that said that, that said that mail-in voting is the largest source of voter fraud. Yeah. And even no one fraudulent vote is a problem because I think look, we the right to vote is sacred, and I, I don't think we want our legitimate votes counted out, uh, canceled out by a fraudulent vote. Like this, this really shouldn't be a political thing. But Democrats always want to win by hook or by crook. They'll do whatever it takes to win. Um, so, and as far as this whole, it's been so annoying to watch people sort of be like, "Oh, Trump, the post office under attack by Trump. He's removing all his mailboxes. He's trying, he's <laughs> trying to suppress the vote." But what's uh, mailboxes have been removed for years? Yes, for various reasons, like including that. It's just a, it's a box that doesn't get a whole lot of traction, so there's no point in keeping it there. So they move it elsewhere to a more high-trafficked area. So people, And the people don't use people, the post office. I mean, like, government checks, you know, welfare checks, stuff like that, Social Security, that's all direct deposit. Like, they stopped sending out paper checks ten year, over a decade ago. Yeah. Like, people just don't use the post office anymore. Right. And um, people don't realize that the post office has been bleeding money for years— and Trump has the Trump administration has actually offered a ten billion dollar bailout or whatever to the post office, but 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 it's on the condition that the post office will undertake some structural reforms. But of course, the post office doesn't want to take on those reforms, so that's why you see the union part like in partnering with the Democrats to sell this narrative that that Trump is trying to attack the post office because he wants to suppress the vote. Um, so, so, so that's this whole narrative stems from, and of course, the Democrats will just like throw anything, um, I, 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 throw anything that, that, that against Trump and just see if it sticks. And so far, nothing's really stuck. No. Um, so the I, thing I, is, I, you're, I, you mentioned yeah. earlier, and you're totally right that like Trump has made the distinction. Obviously, every time he's talked about the issue, he has clearly made the distinction. Uh, between mail-in voting and absentee voting. Um, so it's like he didn't even say something imprecise or incorrect or whatever. But like, and but obviously Jake Tapper, they, they all have to pretend to be mentally handicapped and not understand what he's saying. But it's like, even when, here's the thing, even when Trump does just misspeak, when he says something imprecise, you know, when he just gets something a little bit wrong, I'll ask you a question, Aaron. Has there been one time since he became president once anything is it any time he's ever made a statement that was incorrect or imprecise that you didn't know immediately exactly what he meant yeah no i i <laughs> it's i I've, I've always known what what he meant when when he made a statement that's imprecise or inaccurate look look trump's trump's a real estate guy he always over exaggerates things and yes he's very sloppy with his language and with the facts and i wish he would be more precise precise in that regard but Trump is who he is. He's not going to change, and it's pretty obvious. And yeah, it's pretty obvious to know what he means because you know I actually read and understand the issues, and I also get how Trump speaks. Whereas the left just sort of they will just jump on anything that 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 he says to to try and defeat him. And I, I, I've noticed but it's just that, so that weird. I, it's I remember, just such an odd tactic to me. It's just, it's so strange because they're not that dumb like jake tapper's not a complete moron like of course they know exactly what trump means when he's imprecise with his language but they pretend it's like but they get on their television shows on msnbc and cnn and pretend to be stupid they pretend to be so stupid that they can't use 
they can't deduct what the president means. It's like you're 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 claiming to your audience live on television that you're a moron. You know, it just seems so weird. Like, it, you know, if anything, I'd want my audience to think I'm smarter than I really am. It, it's a it's a weird tactic to try to convince your audience that you're less intelligent than you really are. It's just weird. It just makes no sense. It, yeah, it, it, it just it just goes to show how unhinged they are about Trump and, and how Trump hatred reigns supreme for them. And one thing to keep in mind is that the polls have been tightening. The polls have been tightening. Like there's a scene poll that came out yesterday, I think, or sometime over the weekend, that showed Trump and Biden like it's just about like within the margin of error. Um, and and with and you know with Biden only had like a, like a one point advantage over independents and so forth. Um, so I think people. I, I know last time we talked, uh, we were concerned about the polls. And like you know, what, what's Trump, what's Trump, what's the Trump campaign doing? I think the Trump campaign ever, ever since they um, he demoted Brad Parscale, right, Parscale, right. and, and, and for a I think the campaign has, has seems to be more on message and on absolutely, point. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, and you know, of course, Biden, Biden has been like this. We like to say, like Biden's a corpse at this point. Like he's just, he's just, he's just in his basement and just sort of just trying to weigh out the clock and. He can't really do that um, anymore, and I think now that Kamala Harris is the VP, we all know that Kamala, uh, the VP, was always going to be the person who's the real president because Biden is just no longer sentient. Right. And the fact that he's picked Kamala, who has, despite what the media says, she is radical, she is corrupt, and now like, and she's also a very unlikable candidate. Like she's so cringeworthy. Oh yeah. On so many levels. And I, 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 I think that pull this together, you, you see Titan race, the media is getting more desperate, and that's why the now using upon the post office as the latest sort of phony issue to try and sink Trump. And I am hopeful that that's not that. It, it's, it's like everything else, it's just going to, you know, it, it's just not going to work. Why do these leftist female politicians always have that same, like, creepy witch cackle? Like I, yeah, like, I, I'm a big fan. And it's not sexist either. Like I'm a huge fan of women, you know. Like I really yeah, like women. Too. Like I'm married to one, you know. Big fan. Um, I don't know any women in real life that cackle like that, but like Kamala Harris is the same with Hillary Clinton. They just have this, like, downright disturbing, <laughs> like, <laughs> like this crazy <laughs> witch cackle. Only time they do their like, cocky self laugh thing that they do. Like it's. It's so strange. I don't know why these leftist politicians always cackle like that. It's they need like a laugh coach, you know what I mean, to come in. It's so like, yes, look, oh look, if you want to be president, you can't laugh like that. You're scaring people. Like you're making children cry. Nobody's gonna vote for you. You gotta learn how to laugh like a normal human being. Like I, I seriously feel like these leftist politicians, they need to bring in like a laugh coach or something. Yeah, I mean, Ben Shapiro likes to say how Kamala Harris has that Joker laugh, but like the honky Phoenix Joker laugh, except. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, it's, you just cringe at it. It's like, oh, God, stop. Because, I, mean, I mean, like, Nancy Pelosi also has kind of a cackle, too. I don't, I don't really get it either. I mean, I don't know if it's just, like, if it's just something that comes from being in power for too long and it all goes to your head. I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I can't really explain it either. It's got to be, it's got to be the job. There's no way if, if Kamala Harris had a normal job, she would laugh like that. 
There's no way. Yeah, I agree. It's got to be Democratic corruption related. It's got to be. That's yes. The only, that's the only possible explanation. Aaron, it's always a pleasure. I'm sure we'll do it again soon. Uh, where can everybody read your stuff and follow you online and all that good stuff? Yes. Yeah, so you, I, you can read me at Jewish Journal, uh, JewishJournal.com. Follow me on Twitter at Bandler's Banter. Um, yeah, read my stuff. <laughs> everybody follow Aaron. He's great. Uh, that's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks. Thank you.